Matthew McConkey. Dave Holmes. Almost said David Holmes, but I know you don't like that. So it's I, not that I don't like it. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. The I don't. The edge, I, it's difficult. Uh, oh, I think it flows nicely. Uh, everything yeah, about Matt McConkey and Matthew McConkey is so wrong. That no, that that name no. flows. Oh God, it's terrible. I, I can see, when I say it, I can see the people's eyes light up when they think I'm going to say Matthew McConaughey. Which uh, why would I introduce myself as that? But there's just a flicker yeah. of excitement, and then I say Conky, and then they're like, "Oh, well, that tracks." Do not feel um, shame about your name. Oh God, is it too late to change it? No, but it be but don't strange at forty years old, moderately known but not really. To what would you change it to? Well, I always, you know, when I was growing up and wanting to be an actor and thought I would, I was like, well, obviously I need a movie star name because I'm going to be a hunky leading man. So my name will be either Matthew Thomas because that's my middle name or Matt Moxley because that's my mom's maiden name. And I do, as you know, prefer my mom to my dad. Right. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, let me know. Matt McConkie is a great name, but Matt Moxley is a hot name. It's good, right? And it doesn't feel like good. I'm cheating because that is a family name. Right. Uh, anyway. I was f- briefly in college, David Walsh Holmes, which Walsh is my mother's maiden name. And I think that's just a really cool name. That's a great uh, But name. ultimately, it's it's too wet. David Walsh. Walsh. There's a lot going on in the mouth. Walsh Holmes. Yeah. yeah, it does make you really get in there with the... Yeah, yeah it's a lot. It's a lot of work for the mouth. I no think rest. you landed on the perfect name. I think so. I think so. How are you at this point in history? Hanging in. Uh, God, what can I say? We're, you know, we're hanging in the same as last week and the week before and the week before. Yeah. Uh, how about Nothing you? Changes. Same. Same basic thing. Same. Um, I will not, I will say like I when I'm on a long run or a bike ride or whatever, where a month ago, 85% of the people had masks on. Now I would say it's 15. Hmm. Um, wow. people are not even bothering to wear the loose thing around the neck that they can then pull up briefly while somebody passes by. It's, uh, it does seem like people just are, are fatigued with it. So I hope that we're not, uh, uh, early to be, uh, putting this behind us. Yeah. And can you run with a mask on as it must be I do, I do to... what's a buff. I do the, the neck thing that I pull up. Right, Trying to right, do the right. full mask is just too, it's too much work for the, for the lungs. But the Got it. and I'm and I'm running and biking where I never see really anybody, so I just pull it up when I pass by. Whatever, hope for the best. Hoping for the best. Uh, what are you watching these days? Uh, what am I watching these days? Oh, last night I will tell you. Last night, um, uh, I resubscribed to the Criterion Channel and I watched uh, the Day Trippers. What is that again? Um, it's uh it's from 1996. It's um it's Hope Davis, Ann Mira, Parker Posey, Leah Schreiber. Oh Schreider. yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um it is so it's it's a perfect movie. It is it, the the script is absolutely perfect. All of the performances are wonderful. Uh it made me miss 1996 and New York City so oh. much. Um, it, it's just, it's a, it's a great movie. It's totally, totally charming. And there are, I am right. I hadn't seen it in 25 years and it, 
there are moments that that I remembered perfectly. It's it's so That's something so I'm good. excited to go back to. Uh, how about yourself? Watching a show, funnily enough, called Dave on FX on Hulu. It's the no. show Lil Dicky, the White Rapper. Yes, I am hearing that's great. Um, it is I, great. It's very difficult for me to get past the outdoor ads of him coming out of uh, a pair of Y front briefs. That's it is tough. To There's uh, nothing about the way it was marketed to me made me want it in any way. Mm-hmm. But I was just I we just sort of gave in after we felt like we've finished netflix what 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 do we got yeah and it's great there's just nothing to love about it okay um okay i'm gonna finally have to give in and drag race Uh, of course of course drag race of course drag race we now so i guess spoilers will follow if you're not fully caught up um but we have a well we have a final three i guess yeah and i i don't know if they are people are hoping that this is a spoiler alert that Jackie Cox, who was most recent to to be you know kicked off, will come back so that we have a proper top four. But I don't know if that has been established. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we do in a case like that. Um, I do. Um, I, I'm I'm relieved that I immediately could not stand Sherry Vine. Hi. Um, pardon me, Sherry Pie. Sherry. Oh, whatever. Sherry Pie. Yeah, no, Sherry Vine yeah. is great. Sure. Uh, God, Sherry Vine must be angry right now. I can't be the only oh, person God. to make a mistake over and over. Let's uh, get Sherry so Vine on here so she can speak. So she can speak her truth. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't like her. I. Uh, I feel like all of her looks are exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, when she had the little drag daughter and they did the family resemblance thing, it was just like, well, no, you just made her look exactly like you. That's not the yeah. same thing. One trick um, pony, very sour. One trick pony. No, thank you. Not for me. Not for me either. Um, I uh, yeah, I Jackie uh, Jackie Cox was uh, totally fine. I think I'm a Crystal Method guy. Oh wow, she is divisive and divisive, yeah. depending on how mm-hmm. you pronounce that word. That word itself is divisive. Divisive. I love her. Yeah. I think she's great. She's everything I look for in a drag queen. You like a you like a off kilter drag queen. I do. I like an experience. I like a point of view. I do too. I mean, I, I, I am look, Heidi name aside was my queen this season. I and love I'm her and I love her name. So sad to see her go, but I think I'm going Jada. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I, I honestly, I don't think there are any wrong choices. They're all great. Well, oh, aside from Jada, Jada, yeah, of course. Um, I do. Yeah. I like, I like Jada. Uh, I, I like crystal method. I am blanking on Gigi Good. Oh, Gigi Good. Yeah, I like Gigi Good. I feel like I've seen Gigi Goods in the yeah. world. Uh, yeah, and I and I I think Gigi Good is the one to beat. Okay. But you know, anything can happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, um, and- I, I also don't know how they're gonna do the the finale, but they've never done it live, so it won't be that different. They're just gonna yeah. Oh god. Is it on these Zoom? Times? I think these so. times are these times are tricky. Oh, oh! Another thing I've watched, um, we watched uh, all the way through in the last week was Visible, out on television. The, oh, uh, the God, Apple TV documentary. Yes, it's it's great and it's comprehensive and it's it's uh, really inspiring. And three times per episode, Wilson Cruz or somebody says, and that allowed people to laugh like that, exactly like that. 
um, and literally once per episode. Um, and, and then everyone could say they knew a trans person or whatever. It's like, it's all the same. They're true and they're absolutely right, right but it's just, it's, there's a very clear structure to yeah, yeah these yeah. episodes. And, and that allowed people at home to laugh. It's, it's, it's great. <laughs> it is great. But by like the third episode, you, you definitely, you see the beats coming. Which episode covers homophilia as uh, know, sort of the weird? greatest queer podcast of all time? Well, probably yeah, season two when they when they focus exclusively on podcasts. That right, right, cool. right. Um, we have oh, speak, we, we have a we have a, a RuPaul's Drag Race alumna. Yes, a legend, a true all star in every meaning of yes. the word. And uh, you know, we've been. Uh, Featuring all the queens from the show we're here on HBO, which we love. Yep. And mm -hmm. uh, Shangela is with us. Shangela is with us. She is here. Um, thrill as she pretends to remember the fact that we did a pilot together like 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, and You don't enjoy. think she really remembered? I think that she probably came in not remembering because that was that was a blip a long time. I I mean, once we talked about it, I think it all came rushing. It all yes. Well, you know what we didn't talk about in this interview that I almost got in trouble for in my home was not talk about is the fact that Shangela is on Katie Keene, uh, oh, right. which is the you know Michael's show, uh, my boyfriend's show that you can you can stream on demand on CW on the CW app, also. Mm -hmm. When HBO Max launches on May 27th, all the episodes will be there. <gasps> Get into them. They go down so easy. It's such a, oh it's, it is the perfect quarantine comfort food. Um, and I'm not so, just saying that because my relationship depends on it. <laughs> but I, I, I love, so love, love the show. show. Yeah. Your partner's show right alongside Friends reruns. You're, you're closer I, yes, yes. than ever. You're closer yes. than ever. Some might say that my the future of my family is in Jennifer Aniston's hands. Yeah. That's you know what I mean? Thinking. That's a stretch. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, Shangela is in uh, a, quite a few episodes of Katie and obviously a ton of other things. And we yeah. have so much fun talking to her and we hope I you have so much fun listening. To death. Yes. But no, I love her to life yes uh, and you know what and after you hear this interview people will be able to laugh again yeah yeah it will allow people to laugh it's Sh shangela is a dream and she's coming up And we are back with Shangela. Shangela, you are How in Texas. I am. I'm currently uh, fully, you know, socially distanced, locked down and quarantined to turn it over here at my grandma's place in uh -huh. Paris, Texas. Wow. How's that? It's great, actually. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, I'm here in the house with my family. My mom, my grandma, both are here. We're reconnecting, you know, this, I'm a diva on the go, you know, I've been traveling and touring and I live in LA. So this is probably the longest that I've spent back home in Paris since like 
like the Christmas holidays and stuff. This is the longest since I was in high school. I think I've been home for like a month. Uh, so that's been actually really nice to be around my mom, my grandma. Although my mom feels the need to give me like a million to do projects, not yeah. thinking that I'm already to doing enough. I mean, we're promoting yeah. the new show. We're here. I have this new comedy show over on YouTube called La Quifa's Hollow Losing It. I'm like trying to stay connected with my fans on TikTok and Instagram. And she's like, so I think this garage needs painting. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God. And do you find yourself reverting? Do you do that thing where you revert back to your teenage self as soon as you are in your mother's house? Teenage? I think I'm in elementary school over here <laughs> because I'm like, good morning. Who made my breakfast? <laughs> yeah. So who all is in the house? Uh, my mom and my grandmother, who is about 83. And um, this is actually a house that I bought for my grandmother as a surprise last year. And I haven't really wow. been able to spend like time in it. And I'm so excited that they're enjoying like living here. And, and it's really cool to see that all my work is paid off in this way as well. Beautiful. And you're you're obviously staying busy while you're there. What what's your quarantine routine? Can you kind of paint a day in the life? Well, week one was Netflix, ice cream, sleep, talk on the phone. Netflix, ice cream, sleep, phone. And then after I realized that I can't, <laughs> I just can't function like that. Um, that I went back to work. I had to kind of put like a routine into my life to maintain normalcy. Like, okay, we're gonna get up. I'm usually an early riser anyway. So I get up, have breakfast, shower. I ordered a treadmill on Amazon that mm -hmm. my mom had to put together because I could not figure out all those parts. And um, so I try and, you know, get a little fitness piece in there. And then like I have breakfast with my grandma when she, while she's having breakfast and getting up. And then um, I've just been working, you know, doing a lot of promotion for the show, responding to people's questions or comments online. And then um, just creating in this time as well. I try to find time to write in my journal if I can and uh, fit in like those little, you know, DJ come and do projects that my mom has filtered throughout the day. I love it. Making time for those morning pages in quarantine. Oh, you already know, honey. Yes. And speaking of morning pages, I was recently in the Paris News, the Sunday edition, a full, almost a full page. It was I had to share the page with the Kiwanis Club because they were... Uh, having to relocate the something about the state in some kind of shelter mode. I don't know. But apparently it was big news. So between me and the Kiwanis, that was on the full page. My grandma loved it. It's mm. <laughs> fantastic. It, is grandma a drag race fan? She is, actually. Well, I think she's a Shangela, her grandson DJ fan. She doesn't yeah. really know much about the show, although we watched an episode of season 12 the other night. She goes to bed kind of early. Um, but even still, she was up for the episode and we watched it. And I remember she really liked. Um... <laughs> Sorry, this makes me laugh. I said, Graham, you know, are you enjoying it? Do you like it? And she goes, that one right there show is pretty. Look how smooth her back is. <laughs> <laughs> I got to know what she's talking you... about. Well, okay, it was Jan's sport. Jan turned around in the mirror, I guess, to like show her shoulder. And my grandma just uh -huh. really loved that she had a smooth back. She said, look how smooth her back <laughs> That's is. <great>. That's <laughs> high praise coming from grandma. That's realness. <laughs> um, what else are you watching while you're, while you're oh my God. stuck in the house? 
Let me tell y'all something. I'm a person who loves television and films. I love, love, love it. That's why I've always wanted to work as an actor because I've always just had this love for TV. So I'm watching Homeland. It's the the last season of Homeland. I think Mm -hmm. it was just the season finale, but I'm like one episode off because I fell asleep because my sleep patterns are really off right now. But um, love Homeland. Love How to Get Away with Murder. Love Little Fires Everywhere. Um, Watching Getting Back into Westworld because I was off for like, a season or two. So it's really hard to pick back up, but I'm trying to. And then I'll just go back and, and, and rewatch it to get caught up. But I'm living for all that. Of course, I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race. And, and last night I was all up in our show. So it's it's very interesting. I love TV. Well, then okay. now so, is the time for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be if I didn't have nothing else going on. <laughs> Who are your uh, who's kind of standing out? Who's sort of popping for you this season on Drag Race? Well, I let's see. Pop, Gigi Good has been doing super well yeah. in the runways, and I love that. Uh, I love seeing you know creative fashion, and, and honestly, she grew up watching Drag Race. She was probably eleven when I first came out on season two, okay. so it's really fun to see someone who's been invested that much in the show finally have a chance to be on it. Uh, that's really cool. Jan Sport, I know I liked her because we actually sang Shallow on stage in New York together once. I was Bradley Cooper's part. And that was fun. Uh, She has amazing range, amazing voice. And Heidi in Closet. Like, I've never met her in person, but we've been chatting on uh, Instagram messages. And I just think she's she's already carved out a great space in the hearts of people. So, you know, I know that everything in nightlife and the ability for the drag queens, especially from Drag Race to tour, has been, like, literally cut off at the moment but i i told her recently i was like girl don't even worry you've carved out such a space in people's minds and hearts they're not going to forget you you're going to get out there and be able to connect with them in person really soon yeah yeah heidi is the real standout for me this season so glad she's still there well everybody loves it yeah me too and everyone loves kind of you know a story where it's a growth story and she's definitely taken the critiques from the judges. You can see it throughout the season and try to apply those in order to be better. And she really has a passion about being there. But you can also see her innate goodness, right? She's fun and she's funny and she has these great one-liners and she whistles between her teeth. I mean, you got to love her. Mm-hmm. You gotta she's, love her. I love her. And I think her name is really funny. I do too. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. Let RuPaul no, have Heidi, Heidi lost or whatever she told her to be Heidi, Heidi goodness. I don't know. But Heidi in closet, <laughs> that's memorable. That's real. That's funny. That's funny. Oh, <laughs> I love it. What do you think queens need to do to, you know, for, for like longevity purposes right now? Cause there are, there are so many, uh, now that we're 12 seasons in and like there's, there's an entire industry where there wasn't before, but there's only a handful of you that have kind of crossed over to mainstream. Well, the great thing about RuPaul's Drag Race is it gives you this amazing platform and this audience that is eager, honestly, to support you or give you attention for anything you want to give them. So I say, you know, if you want to continue to stay connected to fans and have them support your art, give them some art. You need to be consistently working. There is no magic wand when you go to RuPaul's Drag Race, that you go in and they go, all right, you're on Drag Race. Woo, now you're a star. That does not happen. 
And if it does, it happens very, very, very rarely. And it never happened to me. <laughs> so you have to go and work for anything that you want. So I just always tell the girls, look, find something that you have a passion for, that you love doing, and, and explore it. Give it to them online. Uh, I talked to Silky. She's so, you know, she always told me, girl, I want to have my own cooking show. I said, well, create it. And she did. Silky Snack Shack on, on YouTube, one season in. You know, Monique Hart works with me and my company, Say What Entertainment. And she's a great singer. She has this really good, rich voice. Brown Cow Stunning is still one of my favorite songs that's on my playlist. So good. Yeah, right? And so now she has a new song that she just dropped a video for, I think, today, or a, a snippet of a remake of a song from uh, The Sexes in the Heel, Kinky Boots, but it's like her sexier version. But she's making these videos and going out there and doing it. And Alyssa continuing to connect with fans and be, you know, this beauty brand um, person with her connection with Anastasia. You just got to go out there and work for whatever you want. Go get it. You know, there's... A critical part of your career has been... I'm going to take you back a few years to a show called The Logo List. Hmm. Yes. That was a one that? pilot. Yeah, we did that together. Yes, we did. It was you. I don't know if I've ever told you about this, Matt McConkey. I don't know what you're talking we did about. A we had a pilot. We had Is a pilot. <laughs> we had a pilot for a panel show for Logo called The Logo List. It was like oh, a list okay. of things to do or whatever. Um, and it was the panel was Shangela, Margaret Cho, Brian Safi. And me. Hosted I mean, by that's... Heidi Hamilton from Heidi, right. Frosty, and Frank. Mm -hmm. um, that was that was a ball. You had a, a, a cocktail recipe that I remember. I don't remember actually anything about the drink recipe. I just remember it involved gin, and you said, gin is in. And every time I have a gin <laughs> martini, I say to myself, gin is in. <laughs> I love that. You know, I remember them rolling that cart out. That's all. I, it's funny mm -hmm. because that was back, had to be back. It was right after season three. I believe that was back in 2011 that we did that project. 2011. Something and, like that, yeah. and something I learned, you know, that was the first set of projects I think that I ever did with regard to television. And one thing I learned is that in TV is that you have to definitely be ready for those Hurry up and goes, highs and lows, yeses and de and nos. And mm -hmm. every project, when I first came out of the gate, I thought, well, <laughs> my life is made. Here it comes. You know, yep. logo list. I thought I didn't really understand like pilots and the process of selling them and, and all of that. So that's why I say to everyone when they're like, why don't you give up? I said, because I've had a lifetime of not giving up so far, it feels yeah. like, you know. Yeah. And in the entertainment industry, you think every project is golden. I had a pilot for NBC, honey. I mean, Michael, written by Michael Patrick King. Don Johnson was the lead. We had already worked at the contracts. I said, oh, here it goes. I got a series. It's a wrap. Then dead silence. Yeah. And I was in a movie, R.I.P.D. I told my mama, go to the movies. Get ready, mama. I'm at the end of the film, Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds. Jeff Bridges morphs. He was an alien. He morphed into me as Shangela. A big film. I look at the camera, deliver these lines. Mama went to the movie. She called me after. She said, baby. I got to let you know, you're not in that movie. Oh, I man. said, Mama, you probably didn't recognize it. I'm in drag. I'm Shangela, you know, <laughs> as if my mother yeah. wouldn't recognize me. And she said, baby, I stayed till after the credits. They, the, the people came and they turned the lights on in the theater. You are not <laughs> in that movie. And it's true. I had ended up on the cutting room floor. So, oh. yeah, I remember that. And that was oh, super wow. fun. That was super, it was super fun. fun. 
was a, well, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes it doesn't come together. Right, but you know what the beautiful thing is? Every single one of those projects, I think, helped to prepare me for where I am today. Sitting on that panel, being around you guys, at the time I was super novice, and y'all were like funny and professionals and had quips, and I was like, okay, you got to be prepared. You got to come in this room already with some things to say in the back of your head for those moments of silence. Like, you just learn how to get savvier as you go along. Yeah. Um, it was it was a ball. May, perhaps we'll do a reunion show someday. I'd um, like to get my eyes on that pilot. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> um, what uh, what are you listening to right now? What are you listening to and lip syncing to in the privacy of your own home? Oh my gosh! Well, listening to a lot of my entertainment and things that I get attracted to come from Instagram because I'm trying not to be that girl that wakes up and immediately goes to the phone. But I mean, it, my charger is right next to the bed, so. Literally, I'm that girl that wakes up and it's like, scroll, scroll. Oh, I got to go pee. So um, I've been listening to, so just recently, today, actually, this morning, Alex Newell, my friend, dropped a new song called Mama Said. So I was listening to the snippet of that that just came out because I got to actually go over to iTunes and get it. I scrolled by Todrick, uh, had a new version of uh, his hair, hips, nips. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't let me mess this up because I do this song. Um you know what it is. Hair, yes, nails, yes. hips, wig, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that song, uh, why can't I think of that? But whatever. Um, so he redid to be like Corona relevant. So it's like mask, scrubs, gloves, Lysol or something. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's funny. And uh, so that's what I'm listening to. Like in the morning, I kind of listen to a meditation uh, by Abraham Hicks that I, I'm, I cheat. I get it for free on YouTube with the ads. But, you know, mm. uh, to kind of get me in, the, in a good headspace for the day. And I love uh, the Dreamgirls soundtrack whenever I'm getting in drag. Like, I can have my whole mug done from start when they first show up at the contest as little baby dreams and the Dreamettes to the end when it's the finale and Jennifer Hudson comes back. Wow. Oh, that's great. So we had Willem on about a year ago or shortly after Stars Born came out and got his entire experience from the audition to to the shoot. So we obviously have to get your experience as well. <laughs> I would love to give it. What's What do you want to know? <laughs> what was the audition? Well, my audition, originally I didn't go in for the first call. Because the first call for the role that they were casting was for a Marilyn Monroe drag impersonator. And look, I mean, I wanted to be in that film. I know I did. And, and honestly, as a drag queen, you can do across any you know genre or race or anything like that. But honestly, I felt like if this is a major film and they're lo- looking for Marilyn Monroe, I mean, it don't matter how much time I stay up at the sun, I'm melanin fish. I'm not about to get this job as Marilyn, okay? Mm -hmm. So I didn't go in. And I remember getting an email from Bobby Campbell, Lady Gaga's manager, and it said, hey, I met you a few months back at a a Valentine's party, and um, LG and I, because LG had remembered, LG, that's Lady Gaga, right? Yeah. LG had remembered me from being in her uh, applause lyric music video back in 2013. And he's like, LG and I heard you didn't come in for the audition. She really wanted to see you for this role. Is there a reason you didn't go in? And I was like, well, I mean, did Bobby Campbell and LG want to see me? 
Oh, bitch, I went over to the Hollywood toy and costume store. I got the little white dress in the bag. I had a the blonde Maryland. I went in this black Maryland. I had the blonde wig. I, I put a little beauty mark on my cheek. I sang, I want to be loved by you. <laughs> and and honestly, uh, I remember like coming out of the room and, and feeling feeling good about what I delivered. I knew I had fun and I prepared. And, uh, Jennifer Lewis had also helped me prepare for that role. And I went in and I came home and I made a video and I never do this after auditions, but I made a video saying like, I really feel good about this. I hope I get it, you know, and look at my look and fast forward, I got the job. And then it wasn't for, I remember I got the call and my agent said, they really liked you, but you didn't get the Maryland job. And I was like, oh, shucks, you know? And they were like, no, they liked your personality so much. They're going to rework some things and they're going to give you dialogue lines and you're going to be a bar owner named Shangela in the in the movie a star was born hallelujah i'm so thankful is there one moment from the shoot that you know you'll remember the rest of your life yes and it never made it to camera i'll tell you it was between takes during that filming and i'm in this you know you're in that dressing room and the space that we filmed it in was it was like a real dressing. It was like this bar in LA uh, that we filmed it in. So it was like their little dressing area for bands that usually perform there, I guess. Really tight, really small. So it's me and uh, Willem and probably two other queens that were in the scene. I think this queen named Hummingbird and another girl was in there. And, um, and Gaga, you know, they were like, cut, we're going to turn the cameras around. So there was like a good 10 minute break. And Gaga did not like get up and leave and go to her trailer. You know, she was just like there, like just kicking it with the girls. And so she was like, so guys, like what's going on? And when she threw out a what's going on, I was like, okay, Shan, you get to talk to the goddess, you know, Lady Gaga. So I just started telling her stories and like laugh. Like we were just sharing, asking her questions. I was like, what do you do with all your costumes? And she was like, oh, you know, I, I, I have like a warehouse that I keep a lot of them in. I really love them. And I was like, girl, sign me up. I'm going to do golf cart tours of the warehouse. And she was like, <laughs> oh, Shan, Shan. She called me Shan, right? She's like, Shan, Shan. And so then I was like joking with her. But then I got serious and asked her, I said, you know, um, Lady Gaga, how, how do you keep up with all your memories? You have so many big moments in your life, like Super Bowl, tours, you know, Oscar. What, how do you keep up with all these moments? And she said, uh, I said, do you journal? You know, what do you do? And she looked at me. It, it was like this like Oprah moment, right? Everybody's quiet, listening to it. And she says, if you look around this room, and some people from her group, had come, friends of hers had come into the room, and she goes, there's Richie right there. That's my choreographer, uh, Brandon, Frederick, hairstylist, Sarah, her makeup artist. She goes, these people, a lot of them have been with me for most of my career. And my memories really lie with them. I can look at Richie and think about us, you know, putting together the Coachella performance or, you know, she was like, and I was just like, wow, what an amazing person to like have not only great memories, but to have her memories live in, within her friends, you know, that she's had around her for so long. It was really cool. It was a really cool moment. Wow. I really thought where this was going was that you were going to say, she said, you can get a hundred people in the room. <laughs> 99, 99 of them 
do believe in you or don't? I forget how it goes. No, she you. said she said there could be a hundred people in a room, and ninety nine don't believe in you, but mm-hmm. it just takes that one person to believe in you. Bradley yes. was my one person. Mm-hmm. There it is. Amazing That's it. Gaga impression, by the way. Oh, thank you. You just have to be <laughs> elegant, elegant, but still have an air of fabulosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a bit of edge. <laughs> of glory. So are you, are you, um, you know, you can't, you can't really be dating in a, in a time like this, but are you, are you flirting? Are you, uh, <laughs> are you using the apps? Are you, are there tawdry text chains? Um, well, you know, I'm not in a relationship in any way. I think that'd probably be very difficult if I was separated from my partner, you know, especially if it were a new relationship right now. Um, no, I'm not dating. I don't, I don't, I mean, it'd be hard to kind of start that right now. I, yeah, I haven't gone on any Zoom dates, although I hear some friends of mine are like going on Zoom dates. I'm more into like, I'm in I'm in the house with my mom, and my granny. There is no sexy talk really on the phone because the walls here are really thin. So it's sure. just like right now I'm just journaling <laughs> all of my feelings and desires and mm-hmm. also like keeping up with my friends. I kind of live my life through their lives. I think I'm a better matchmaker than I am like a dater. And it, you know how that is? Like some people are better eaters than they are cooks. Mm-hmm. If sure. that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes yep. sense. Yeah. So if what y'all need to be hooked like- up, let me help y'all. <laughs> well, no, we're good. We're both spoken for. We're bo- you you know I have a a old ball and chain. Um, Holly- oh, not old ball and chain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the old ball and chain. I'm kidding. The old I'm kidding. ball and chain, gal. Um, what was dating before Drag Race? Before you know fame? Well, um, before. I even moved to Los Angeles. I was in a relationship for about two and a half years with a guy named Jared, who was super nice, hairdresser, lived in Dallas. We both lived in Dallas. And I remember, um, I just felt, I don't know if I was the best person to date because I have a very spontaneous spirit. I want to get up and go. And I've always been, I'm an only child. Um, I... I like the way I like things. And in a relationship, there's a lot of compromise that has to happen. And and I think I was also like super young and also relationship young in that uh, partnership. So I just wanted like what I wanted. And I'm a very kind person. So when I found myself like giving in, it made me feel like not mad at myself, but I was just like annoyed with me because I had to like, do this compromise. Well, maybe I just didn't want to be in that space forever. I felt in a way almost trapped. And that was nothing to about him. That was about who I am as a person. You know, just in 2018, I did a tour of 184 cities. I was in a different city across the world every other day. And I loved it. I love to go out. I love to party. I love to like have fun with my friends and have a cocktail and turn up and then have to wake up at six and keep it moving. Like that's just the rhythm of my life and how it's been since touring. I think that uh, I tried to date. Uh, oh, y'all are going in. Um, I try, you know, I've gone on dates and entertained the, op- the idea of being in a relationship since being on Drag Race. And it just never really worked for me. It's difficult. Uh, I think, and I'm not complaining in any way. I I love the position that I'm in, but 
you know, you start to go, what are, what is this person here for? And if anyone, if I'm on a date and they're like, oh, you posted a picture, but you didn't tag me. Red flag, red flag. Oh, yeah. Hit the, I, I'm already out. I'm, I'm already checked out. And it's it. And that to me, I have my guard up in those ways. And I'm really just, you know, if, when I do settle down, I'm looking to be inspired by someone really. If I'm working hard, I want you to be working hard and be like, look how my man is over there working, gone, working man. And he's not checking in on me. I'm not the kind of girl that has time to sit there and go back and forth on a million texts. I don't want to stay on the phone for a very long amount of time if we're apart because I got things to do. So did that become a pattern a, a bit as, as you became more known where you would meet someone and start to sense that they were you know, wanted something from you or were there for the wrong reason? Yeah, honestly, um, I just started looking around like, okay, I've got to be more on guard. And I didn't like that feeling. So I figured, and also I would see friends of mine sometimes like they were just in relationships that weren't, they weren't happy. And I do have friends in happy relationships, but seeing the ones that weren't happy, I was just like, I, I don't want to put myself in it. Cause you know, I'm that girl that you call when you're having trouble with your man. I'm the friend that'll stay on the phone and be like, girl, I understand. Mm-hmm. I hear you. No, couldn't be me, sister. Couldn't be me. You know, mm-mm, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in going through their drama, I've kind of just like been like, I don't want to go through that. So what, so what do you do? Are we, are you, do you, do you go in for like, um, a quick one night relationship? What do you do? <laughs> you know, I've been fortunate to meet really great people all around the world, but I'm never in a place long enough to explore a full on long term relationship. So I remember once I was in Paris, we were there the night that they uh, passed the gay marriage bill. Right. And uh, so we all went out and I was at this club that's like it's in Paris, France, not Texas. OK. Got to differentiate because, you know, I'm in Paris, Texas now. I was in Paris, France then. And we went to this club and it's like a cave and you go downstairs, right? So you're like an underground kind of club thing in Paris, gay club. And I remember dancing and this guy came up to me and he was like, have you ever had a real French kiss? And I was like, (laughs) I mean, no. Even though maybe I I don't know. But so I got a quote unquote real French kiss. That was a lot of fun. And I remember telling that story um, to people that rolled their eyes because they're like, girl, really? That's all you got was a kiss. But it was romantic to me. I'm a romantic comedy, like a J-Lo made in Manhattan, the wedding planner, like kind of person. I love that. And so I kind of get wrapped up. That's why, like, if I were to go on dates, by the second date, I think we're probably married. And that's probably also why people steer clear. <laughs> <laughs> Are you someone who fantasizes about being married or having kids and the whole thing? Well, I mean, I drive an Explorer and I've always loved like mom cars. Like I, and they're always like, DJ, why do you have that big old car? It's just you. Cause I, I mean, I'm a, I'm an uncle. I'm a gay uncle. I have four nieces and nephews that I'm really close to. So I took them to Disney my, you know, with my mom, but mostly it was all me like arranging everything, organizing. I had a five-year-old. I think she was four at the time in this arm. I had the other two holding hands, the baby I couldn't take because mama can't handle baby. But I had those three at Disney. And I'll never forget the moment where I thought I lost them because my mom was behind us and the two like nine and 10 year old were in front of us. I was holding the four and I turned around to check on mama and I turned back around at California Adventure and they I didn't see them. 
And I had that panic moment of, oh my God, I just lost my children. And I was like that crazy person. Like I was calling, one's name is KK and the other is Demarion. I was like, KK, KK, Demarion. Like literally screaming in the park at California Adventure, holding a four-year-old, waving for my mom who was in the service vehicle to come on, help me find these kids. Like it was, and you know, to that point, literally they had just walked a couple steps ahead of me and they literally noticed I was there, turned around, came back. But it scared me to death. But knowing that, I, I had the best time other than that with them. I would love to at some point. I think I'd be a great parent, honestly. But at this point in my life, do I feel like that's where I need to focus my energy? No. Fair. Are you guys parents? No. Dogs only. No, no. Dogs. No. <laughs> well, that can be like a parent, too. That can totally be like a sure. parent, too. No, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's enough. It's enough for now. Um, what was Paris, Texas like to grow up in? Well, Paris was actually really nice to me. It's the only growing up experience I've ever had. So I I enjoyed being from Paris. Now, looking back as an adult, I'm very thankful that I grew up in Paris because I got to be kind of a big fish in a small pond. And that set me up for, I think, later on in life, wanting to be involved in everything and, and enjoying that aspect of it. Um, it was as a young gay black kid, though, it's not all it was not, uh, I think, the most encouraging or accepting community of me being gay and black. Right. Um, I just know that there were not a lot of people who looked like me who were out loud and proud around. And they so I had no visibility. I didn't see a community of gay people. I thought probably being gay then was something that you just didn't talk about. Um, I was very active in my church. And at times you'd hear like these messages of, you know, homosexuality is a sin and man with a man is a no. And and I'm sitting there going, okay, either they're like preaching that directly to me or or I feel or knowing that I felt very uncomfortable in those moments because I felt like, okay, I must be wrong. Like something's wrong with me. Um, but other than that, like growing up in Paris, I found ways to really excel. I mean, I was the first male cheerleader at my school since like 1964. They hadn't had a cheerleader in like half a dec, half a century um, when I was, when I tried out for the squad. And I remember like I was a varsity cheerleader. I was the only boy out there, but I didn't, at least to my face, there were not a lot of people that said anything negative about it. I'm sure there were like whispers and, and head turns and all that. But the people around me supported me so much. The other girls on the squad, our cheer coach, and all that, I was just, I was really happy in Paris. Wow. That's beautiful. What's, uh, what was high school like? Was it a, a public high school? It was. I went to Paris High School. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a public high school. I was super involved. I was the uh, captain of the uh, cross-sex debate team. I was a varsity uh -huh. cheerleader. I was president of the student council. I was, like, I was super involved in tons of stuff, as I had always been. But we were also poor. So I would, like... I was so thankful that I had teachers who would like take me home after school if my grandpa was working like super late or uh, friends that would pick me up and take me to different activities and stuff because we didn't have a car. I didn't have a car all the way until I think I was 19 in college. So, you know, it was nice to be in a smaller community, but also there were challenges. So speaking of small communities, let's talk about we're here. 
which we love so much. And we have talked to Bob recently and Eureka and we, you know, got to see and love the first episode. Um, how did the show come your way? Well, the creators of the show, Johnny Ingram and Steve Warren, uh, called me and they said, you know, we have this idea we want to run by you. Uh, it's about three drag queens, you and Bob and Eureka, traveling across the country to small towns specifically and partnering with people, you know, to help them realize the best versions of themselves. And also you're going to be putting on a one night only drag show. And I was like, this concept sounds very cool. Now, I was a person who was on the road. I was in the midst of touring. But I knew that this project was something special because it it did something that touched me. It resonated with me because I was from a small town. You know, I'm from Paris, Texas. I know, like I just told you, I knew what it was like to look around and think, gosh, I'm the only person like me. And then in addition to that, we were putting on a one-night-only drag show. And I'm like, okay, how cool would it have been for me as a little gay kid to see, like, a drag show in my town. And, you know, I always thought there's no community here. That's why I left when I was 18 and went to college in Dallas. I was so excited to get out of Paris. But what I'm learning is maybe there were people who were supporters, but there was just nothing to bring us all together. There was nothing to unite a community to show like the people who supported you and the allies and all that for them to come out in a public space and say, I'm, I'm cool with the gays, you know? So I was really happy to be to have a chance to be a part of creating that in small towns across America. What was what was your first drag performance? Oh, first drag performance performance as Shangela. That was 2009. I did single ladies Beyonce. Where? At the Here Lounge in West Hollywood, which is now Chapel. Oh wow! Yep. And now, it was so a, had you? Had you dabbled with drag before that? Because there's well, a distinction here, apparently. Yes. At the time, I was in a... Well, I hadn't created like a drag persona, and I wasn't considering myself a drag queen in any way. I was in a theater show over at the Riverside Theater in L.A. Uh, called La Cage right? The Birdcage. Mm-hmm. And in it, I played Jacob or Claudine, which is a guy, the butler that gets in drag halfway through the show and is in drag for the rest of the show. So that was my first kind of like step into being in drag in front of an audience. Other than when I was, now these are small audiences, okay, very, very small. But like when I was in the 10th grade, I, for our um, uh, English project, we had read, uh, read the book, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. And our English teacher said, now you have to come up with a creative project in order to tell about the story. And I rewrote I wrote a Tina Turner song, but rewrote it, the Roller Down the River, Proud Mary, to be about Huck and Finn. And then I dressed as Tina and came to the class and performed. Okay? We also That's did great. another... Oh, well, honey. And the teacher loved it so much. Either that or she was just very entertained. But she invited me back for two more class periods to perform again. So I was living as Tina. I was like, and Huck and I are rolling, rolling, you know, rolling down the river. There was another time, there was another time, this is eighth grade, when we had to do uh, another book report, great English teachers I always had. This was about uh, the Holocaust. And we were, uh, I was doing a report on a lady in Holland whose name was Corey Tim Boom. And if I had this memory correct, because, you know, mama's had a cocktail or two since then in life. Um, but I, Corey was a person who had aided 
uh, a lot of uh, Jewish people and hidden them, you know, in her home. So I dressed, it was an older lady. So I came like in my good old Miss Doubtfire drag. And I was uh, Corey Tim Boom. And I had written a rap and it went like, a Corey, a Corey, a Corey Tim Boom. My name is Corey, a Corey Tim Boom. Uh, uh. And, <laughs> and I performed it. I got an A plus. So I was always like having so much fun entertaining other people through the art of, I was just dressing up, you know, as a woman, but as drag, my young stages of drag. So how then did Shangela become a character? Uh, the guy 100%. who was doing the makeup, the guy who was doing my makeup, Ricky Jimenez, at the Riverside Theater over there, right, for La Cosa Faux, told me, uh, my two friends are doing a Beyonce, because I would always do the Beyonce choreography in the dressing room, right? And he said, I have two friends that are getting in drag for the first time for this. At the Here Lounge, they used to have a Sunday event called So Bar which was for, it was like a in the afternoon, Sunday afternoon, probably like a four-hour event for people that didn't drink alcohol, but you could still come to the bar and have fun. There was a drag show, and, and they just didn't serve alcohol, right? So um, I remember he said, those two guys are doing it as a charity thing to benefit, you know, their AA group or whatever, and wanted to know if I would do the beyond, no, if I would choreograph the number for them. There were three guys, okay? Three of them were doing the number. I was going to choreograph it for them. Well, the night before they were supposed to go on, the Beyonce of the group couldn't go. She backed out. She wasn't going to do it. So the other boys were like, we learned all this choreography. We really want to do it. Will you please do it with us? Well, hallelujah. So that the makeup artist at the show was like, I'll do your face. His boyfriend at the time, Carlos, was an old drag queen from way back. So Miss Carlos had these fringe... You know, she had like wigs and all that in her closet that she didn't wear no more. So she was like, oh, honey, come on. Over. I mean, I swear to God, it was very Mrs. Doubtfire. So uh, the two queens put me together and I went to the show and did it. And the, at the time, there was a drag queen in Lavonia who out of drag, his name was Patrick. And he died a couple years ago. But I remember Lavonia saw me perform there and she said, girl, you've got it. You need to come do my amateur show on Monday nights. So... I did, and that's how Shangela was born. Wow. Wow. Um, before we let you go, uh, I just want to talk about we're here one more time because it's so, it's so, it's such perfect timing for it to come out in a way. You know, it is kind of this comfort food, and it's so, it's hilarious and it's heartfelt, and, you know, a lot of laughing, a lot of crying. Um, and of course the kind of the best part is seeing you connect with these drag daughters that you sort of mentor in every episode. Is there, I'm sure there's, it's impossible to choose one, but is there one drag daughter that, that really stands out for you looking back at the season? Oh, um, well, well, you never forget your first. I think um, I love all of them. I mean, you'll see them throughout right. the season. You'll see Brandon and Michaela and Charles and uh, Nicole and uh, uh, I want to say, I almost said Joey, Jose and Jamario. But Hunter, who was my first daughter, was, I saw so much of myself in Hunter. And also the this relationship between he and his dad. I, I didn't grow up in the house with a dad. So going in there, I remember thinking, like, am I really qualified to, like, help 
you know, even bridge this relationship here between his dad and his gay son. But I, I definitely feel like, you know, at the end of the day, we're all people. And even though I didn't know how to relate to a specific dad in my house, my grandpa was always very a very masculine figure in my life. And people are people. And I knew and I knew that I wanted to try to connect these two people even stronger. And so that story resonates with me. And Hunter was just, he's just so sweet. And he was, I remember it was our pilot, right? It was our first episode. So we're just really, we're throwing everything in the kitchen sink in there and trying to figure out how to make this happen. And I remember I didn't get his music approved until like a day and a half before the show. And he was so committed to working with me, to learning the choreography. Because look, Shangela, even if it's overnight, when I hit the stage, it's going to be lovely. Okay, if I learned it overnight, it's still, I know me. I know how to pull up. I know the commitment and the drive that I have to deliver a sickening performance for my audience, right? But I was having to invest in other people and pray that they were going to be as committed as I wanted them to be. It's like a, a kid, like your child. You put them through school. You want them to go learn, get better, and get out and make you proud. And But you can't make them do it. You know, you can't make them not skip class. They have to, at the end of the day, the choice is theirs. So I remember Hunter really pulled up and was really committed to learning the stuff, to, you know, keeping a positive attitude about it, to, you know, putting these heels on and figuring out because he wanted to be the best version of himself. And that's what I really will never forget and, and cherish so much in those moments. At the end, when I'm crying on stage with him, it is not because, you know, that's not just sweat because it was so hot up in there. Oh, my God. The AC broke like four times in that building. Bob, by the last number, Bob Eureka and I looked like we were at Wet n' Wild Beach. It was just fully. <laughs> but I will tell you, um, he, when he finished the number and the audience is living and his mom is crying, and it's great, I was overcome with emotion. And I'm not, you know, a vulnerable boohoo cry kind of fish, you know, that's not me. So. I remember like looking at him and being like, wow, I'm so proud of you. Like, it's like graduation. I was going to be like, woo, woo, that's my kid. That's my child. It was cute. I love it. Shangela, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Well, for being there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quarantine eternal over here. Thank you so much. I love it. I love it. It has been such a pleasure to see you thank again. You so, Congratulations so much. on everything. And stay healthy. Well, I appreciate you guys, David, Matt. I appreciate you. And hopefully we'll chat again to the logo yes. list. <laughs> to the logo list. Jen is in, honey. Jen is in. Bye, Thank y'all. Thank you, Shangela. Bye.